The Vision app is the best place to find a growing range of homegrown, on-demand audio to help you look to God daily. You can listen to Faith and Fostering with Christians chatting about foster care in an Australian context. Plus, be encouraged by Pastor Terry Nightingale's four-minute devotions with new episodes added each week in the free Vision Christian Media app. If you don't already have the app on your smartphone or tablet, download it now from vision.org.au slash app. Vision.org.au slash app. Vision. A biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. This is 2020 on Vision. On a Wednesday, we like to check in with Ron Ross, who has been scouring the headlines around that news which is breaking today out of Israel and more broadly across the Middle East and with war that is going on in Israel between the Israelis and the terror organisation Hamas. There is a lot of breaking news and Ron Ross back with us. Hey Ron, welcome back to 2020. Good morning, Neil. Ron, let's start with recently released hostages have been sharing harrowing stories of their confinement and uh, interesting around this headline, for instance, women being held hostage by Hamas in Gaza were kept in cages. What's being reported? Yeah, women who were abducted from Israeli territory and held hostage by Hamas in Gaza were kept in cages, according to a report by Israeli media citing a statement from a member of the Hostages and Missing Families Forum. This claim is not the first of its kind. In the days immediately following the October 7 attacks, videos from Hamas's Telegram channel showed child hostages being kept in cages for the majority of their time in captivity. Hamas distributed a letter on Monday, allegedly written by Daniel Aloni, who was kidnapped alongside her five-year-old daughter Amelia, and held in captivity. In the letter written in Hebrew and translated into Arabic, she reportedly thanked Hamas for the extraordinary humanity provided to a daughter who felt like a queen. The letter also read, I will forever be a prisoner of love because Amelia, my daughter, did not leave here with psychological trauma forever. The Ohlone family has not confirmed this letter, nor the statements made in it though it's been widely distributed on social media by Hamas. This letter is one that many hostages were forced to write, according to Israeli media. Survivors reported being provided with limited food while being held in hostage, without clear reports of physical abuse or torture. Of the small rations they received, sometimes only rice and pita at best, the hostages were often left to cook the food for themselves and for the children held with them. They also said how their final two weeks they'd seen supplies running low. Aviva Adrian Siegel, age 62, who was released after being taken hostage during the October 7 attack, said one of the hostages, Hannah Katsia, who was also released, learned of her son's murder on one of the few occasions they were permitted to listen to Israeli radio. It was upon her own release that she found out that her husband had also been kidnapped and now remains in Gaza. Some of the hostages spoke of their worry about last-minute attempts by Hamas or Gazans who had thrown stones at the vehicles, taking them to Egypt to attack them before they got home. Until the last moment, we weren't sure, the hostage said. We thought we would be lynched on the way to Israel. 
There certainly are a lot of tragic stories being told right now. Hey, Ron, let's talk through the uh, headline that is around psychological warfare that's very much in play where Israel media is warning uh, that social media is an important battlefield in this war. Uh, What's the latest here? Now, this analysis, Neil, comes from a group, the Media Line, who I work with often in Jerusalem, and it deals with the emotions and the psychological warfare at play as a wartime strategy. And the report says, the second round of released hostages was delayed for hours, putting everyone on edge. Hamas blamed Israel for violating its part of the deal, and Israel denied the claims. Meanwhile, the families of those to be released were kept waiting to welcome them home amid a flurry of reports that it wouldn't happen. Hamas understands Israel's soft spots and uses them in a cynical and manipulative manner, Dr. Gail Yavetz from Bar Ilan's university told the media line. Since the war between Israel and Hamas began almost two months ago, psychological warfare has been an additional arena in which both sides are fighting. On October 7, Hamas conducted a surprise offensive during which hundreds of terrorists, mainly but not solely from Hamas, stormed Israel's border. They raided communities, military outposts and a music festival, murdering approximately 1,200 people, the majority of whom were Israeli civilians. They also abducted 240 people, taking them into captivity into the Gaza Strip. The attack shocked Israel, catching it off guard. Its scope astounded the country as it woke up to what was supposed to be a festive Jewish holiday. Israelis were stunned to see the attack on their country streamed live on Facebook. In addition, images of youngsters being led into captivity were seen on Telegram and videos of terrorist-filled pickup trucks driving through Israeli cities and terrorists banging on people's doors were circulated in the early hours of the attack, leaving a lasting impression. This war is unprecedented in the amount, volume and length of the message being dispatched, said Yavetz. This is the most online war ever in the world. We are witnessing both sides using the online arena in a very precise way to turn to each other and to the rest of the world. There was an intentional usage of any digital platform possible, including body cams, in order to create panic and spread fear. And I might just mention here, Neil, that I just warn everybody to be careful of all the media reports you read. Uh, A lot of it's propaganda, and we need to discern it with truth. Discernment required. Uh, Your warning there noted, Ron. Over this past week, one of the focuses that you've been seeing in the media is the focus on Gaza's Shifa Hospital. Uh, Another headline, the IDF has arrested Gaza's Shifa Hospital head, uh, who's now being seen as a terror suspect. What's being reported here? Yeah, he's arrested and taken for questioning by Shin Bet Security, the Israeli officials are saying. Several other medical personnel from the hospital were also reportedly detained. A joint statement issued by the IDF and Shin Bet said Mohammed Abu Salmiya had been arrested and was being interrogated on suspicion of enabling the hospital to be used by Hamas as an operations centre. Mohammed Abu Salmiya was arrested along with several other senior doctors. Kelly Dabasamra, a chief of the department of the hospital.
Army Radio reported that Abu Sama was detained as he was moving to evacuate to the south of the Strip via an IDF-opened humanitarian corridor. Medat Abbas, director of the Hamas-run Gaza Health Ministry, also confirmed Abu Salma's arrest. The Israeli statement noted that considerable evidence was revealed that the hospital under his direct management served as a headquarters for the terror organisation Hamas. Ron, of course, with the war between Israel and Hamas, uh, there's been a lot of concern, uh, particularly from our listeners. Uh, What about the Christians who are living in Gaza? Uh, There's a headline, though, today about Palestinian Christians leaving Gaza. What's being reported here? Yeah, now, this report comes from All Arab News, which is headed up by the Messianic author Joel Rosenberg, and so it contains a very strong Christian influence. For people who don't know, Rosenberg is an expert on the Middle East. The situation facing the thousand or so Palestinian Christians in Gaza City is very dangerous and very complicated, he wrote. But by the grace of God, we're seeing signs of hope. All Arab news can now report that in the last few days, at least 25 Christians were able to leave the churches in Gaza, get safely to the south, and were allowed to enter Egypt via the Rafah crossing. We understand that they're not staying in Egypt or staying very long. Rather, they receive visas from various countries around the world, and all or nearly all have departed for those countries already. Meanwhile, other Palestinian Christians who have also gotten their visa requests approved are now making their way southward towards the Rafah crossing and, Lord willing, will be able to exit the Gaza Strip in coming days. He says these are big and wonderful answers to the urgent prayers of Palestinian, Israeli, American and other Christians around the world. And I think we might add uh, lots of Aussie Christians too have been concerned about Christians who are caught up in the conflict. Hey, uh, you mentioned Joel Rosenberg, uh, author, media executive, uh, looks at the Israel-Hamas conflict. He's asking the question, is it a prophetic window into end times? Uh, What sort of response has he been uh, delivering? Yeah, I just might mention here that I had the pleasure of working with Joel several times when I was in Jerusalem. He's a very thoughtful, inquisitive and courageous believer. And this report says, as the conflict between Israel and Hamas persists, it's indicative of an impending apocalyptic scenario. We don't want to jump to any sensational conclusions. Sometimes things are just really bad and they don't have a specific biblical implication. Joel Rosenberg, editor-in-chief of the Evangelical Christian News website, All Israel News said. However, there are some interesting questions that should be discussed. Before jumping into Ezekiel 38 and 39 and suspicions of the Battle of Armageddon, Rosenberg said to look to Psalm 83, which some Bible teachers believe is a prophecy not about a specific end times war, but a prophetic window into the motivation of the actors that will attack Israel and try to wipe us out at the end of times. Psalm 83 talks about how Israel's enemies growl and its foes rear their heads, with their leaders calling to destroy them as a nation so that Israel's name is remembered no more. Rosenberg said the verses in the psalm are similar to the sentiments expressed by Hamas and those countries who back it 
meaning the Iranian leadership and others. He said, you could drop Mahmoud Ahmadinejad, Ibrahim Rasi, Yahya or Hassan Nasrallah into that psalm. They all fit the description of the enemies in Psalm 83. That's interesting and worth examining, Rosenberg said. Looking at Ezekiel, he noted that nothing indicates the end of days starts with the war. On the contrary, the prophecy begins with Israel being secure. The country does not have fences on its border. We had a fence, but it was unguarded because the Israeli government thought there was no imminent danger, Rosenberg wrote. It was not that we did not think Israel had enemies, but we did not think someone was going to attack us tomorrow. Israel felt secure on October 6. He said that if Israel has a massive victory over Hamas, or Hezbollah, and the Iranian nuclear threat over the next few months, Israel could rise to truly being secure and being the number one most powerful superpower in the region. This would be incredible for regional deterrence and create tremendous prosperity, Rosenberg said. On the flip side, some believe that the Israel-Hamas war could turn into a regional war that involves Israel being attacked by Iran or Russia on behalf of Iran, which would more closely fulfill the prophecies described in Ezekiel 38 and 39. A few days after Hamas invaded Israel and started the war, Pastor Greg Laurie, the senior pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship based in Riverside, California, put out a sermon on YouTube that garnered nearly 1.5 million views. In the video, he talks about how the Bible predicts that Gog, believed to be the modern-day Russia, became close allies with Persia, today's Iran, and attacked Jerusalem. Rosenberg went on to say, it's only recently that the Iranians and Russians have developed a special connection. Laurie noted that, highlighting Russia's offer to Iran of an unprecedented level of military and technical support, and Iran agreeing to sell Russian drones, bullets, and mortar shells. The only way to stop Iran is with a credible military threat, Greg Laurie said. So how do you stop something like this? Let's just say for the sake of a point, Israel decided to strike out at Iran because they're funding Hamas. What would that product be? It could produce the conflict we read about in Ezekiel. And that's the reason the entire world is on edge. Uh, the thoughts of a world war, World War Three, and the sorts of images, as you say, Ron, around apocalyptic end-time scenarios. Uh, there are people watching those very carefully. Uh, Ron Ross, always appreciate you gleaning so much good insight from headlines. Uh, appreciate you being with us once again today on 2020. Thank you, Neil. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.